Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello there, everybody, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I'm an editor here at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting next to me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. Hey there, Crispy. Alrighty then. So, what do we got on tap for today? Well, what we have on tap to start us off is a little a listener mail. And this listener mail comes from Dorian. And Dorian says, hey guys, I really enjoy listening to your podcast. I've been hearing a lot of stuff about an attack on Twitter and Facebook. And I was wondering what that is all about. I heard Twitter was down for several hours while Facebook took it like a man and was knocked down to about 97%. But still, what's going on? Keep up with a great podcast, Dorian. Thanks, Dorian. Actually, I already responded to Dorian to let him know what was going on, but I thought we could talk about uh, what happened uh, in general and then get down to some specifics. Okay, then. So in general, we're talking about a denial of service attack. Yeah, actually, um, this is nothing new. Denial of service attacks have been going on for quite some time. Mm-hmm. And um, part of the reason for that is they're really simple to cause. It's a very, very simple attack on a, on a network. Yeah, there's actually a couple different ways you can, you can uh, perform a denial of service attack. The two most common ways, really, are you can flood a server with requests uh, so that it becomes overwhelmed and then shuts down. Or you can send a special kind of request to a server where you, you happen to know that the server has certain vulnerabilities. And by sending a, a specific kind of command, it will cause the server to uh, to essentially have a little bit of a of a, a, a freak out. I mean, it doesn't know how to handle the command, so it ends up shutting down um, that way. So in one case, you're talking about just sending a stream of attacks. And in another, you just it's like a, a well-placed sniper bullet. All right, then. That's that's an interesting analogy I hadn't heard before. No, you know, I'm all about the interesting analogies. Okay, then. So, uh, <laughs> one shot, one kill. Now, the, uh, the, so denial of service attacks, like, like Chris was saying, aren't really new. Uh, and really a, a simple denial of service attack isn't the most difficult thing to defend yourself against if you are targeted by one. Because a, a, a very simple denial of service attack is coming from a single source. Yeah, um, uh, denial of service can be as simple as sending thousands and thousands of email messages uh, to a single server. Um, basically, instead of you know handling everything one at a time, there you know there's a logjam of information going at the server, um, and uh, you know pretty soon the computer on the other end can't handle it all. I mean, this is not something that you could do. Uh, if you wanted to crank up, you know, Mozilla Thunderbird, you're not going to be able to, to, uh, you know, overwhelm a server by sending it messages one by one. You would have to dump thousands and thousands of messages per second, um, onto that server in order to overwhelm it. Right. And so really, you know, the, the, to really understand denial of service attack, you just really got to kind of think about the way uh, communication across the web works. Essentially, whenever you are doing anything on the web where you are trying to retrieve information, you are sending out a request from your computer to whichever computer out there on the network happens to hold this information. That computer then sees where this request is coming from and sends the information to you. So uh, denial of service takes advantage of this. Um, if you are really clever when you create your denial of service attack, you will send messages to a computer and your 
uh, your essentially your return address will be masked or or um, smurfed or spoofed if you prefer, and uh, so the the server will try and respond by sending messages to either a non-existent IP address or or one that belongs to someone else that doesn't belong to you. Uh, it makes it a little more difficult to track where the attacks are coming from that way. Um, but because that's the way the web works, you know, you send a request and then the server responds. That's how you take advantage of it. I mean, it's it's kind of an obligatory response, right? You can't just ignore it unless you build that into a firewall. Yeah, yeah, and, and that's the whole thing is... Uh, it, it, the web is doing what it's naturally designed to do in this right. case. So, I mean, if it didn't work that way, you wouldn't be able to get information when you needed it. You'd, you'd load up your web browser. You would go to say, I don't know, www.howstuffworks.com. And if it didn't automatically serve up that website, you wouldn't, you wouldn't get anything in your browser. The, the web just would not work without this kind of process. So that's what the attackers take advantage of. Yep. Now, um, uh, spoofing is one way to mask an attack. Right. Um, another way would be to build a massive army of bots. Right. Or a zombie army, as we call yeah. it. And then you wouldn't even have to launch a, an attack from the primary uh, primary computer at all. You could just have all your, you know, zombies attack it for you. Now, this this is a multi-step process. Uh, let's say that you are a nefarious hacker who is intent on bringing down some poor company's website. <laughs> right. So you are uh, an unscrupulous person and you want to cause lots of damage. First of all, shame on you. But how would you do this? Well, the first step, if you wanted to do one of these attacks, which, by the way, these are called distributed denial of service attacks because the attack is distributed across an army of computers as opposed to coming from just one source. Yeah, which uh, makes it, which also makes it just that much worse because now it's not coming from one computer. It's coming from Lots and lots of computers. Right. You, your options become more limited when you are dealing with a distributed denial of service attack. You can't just shut off access from one IP address and hope to be all right because, of course, the attack is coming from every direction imaginable. Mm-hmm. So the first step in creating one of these attacks is to build your zombie army. And the way you do this is you create malware. So malicious software and uh, often in the form of a Trojan where you – trick innocent people into installing software that will uh, create a backdoor to their operating system, often completely disguised, so that it's really, really difficult to detect the the fact that someone has uh, intruded upon your your, uh, computer. And you do this enough times where you compromise enough computers where you can direct all of these computers at the same time. You can then send usually a pretty simple command to start peppering a target, in this case the company's server, the one the com- company that you wanted to, to attack in the first place, and you tell all of these computers to start sending thousands upon thousands of messages or requests, electronic requests, to this one company's server all at the same time. And it just becomes a massive attack, and it will eventually uh, either overwhelm the server or, I mean, if the, if the people working at the company are really clever, they may be able to uh, to get around without it bogging everything down for too long. But usually it'll it'll at least cause some massive headaches for a few hours, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is pretty much what happened with the Twitter case. But we'll get into that a little bit more later. OK. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, with these situations, the uh, the sysadmin or the system administrator um, on the receiving end of this uh, by this point, 
probably woken up at 2 a.m., caffeine-free, unshaven, and in his jammies somewhere in a big room full of machines that aren't working the way they're supposed to, um, is going to have to try and figure out where this is going. Because um, for a distributed denial of service attack to work, it has to be targeted at one specific point. That's how it overwhelms the server. So um, he or she is going to try and figure out what port um, that attack is coming from or is directed toward and shut it down to keep the servers from being overwhelmed. Right. The thing is, that's where all the other traffic is going through, the legitimate traffic. So, um, you know, there, there's a problem here. It's also got to be rerouted. So you basically have to tell the legitimate traffic, hey, go through this hole in our firewall, use this hole to go send messages to our server, and we'll send them back through this port. And we're not going to tell the guys who are sending these uh, uh, attacks against us. And sometimes that restores service pretty quickly. Right. And sometimes it takes hours and hours or even days before service returns. That's true. Um, another another thing I wanted to point out is to make this even more difficult to trace, because I'm sure you can imagine if you are being attacked, if your server is being attacked by uh, a zombie army, you know, you start looking at the the uh, the origin of these attacks, you're going to find the victimized computers. You're not necessarily going to be able to trace it back to the original computer, the hacker's computer. Um, to make that even more difficult to trace, they can, a hacker can use something called reflectors. Mm. Now, this is really nasty. This I have is, a couple of those on my bike. It's different. It's oh. different. That's good that you have those. Okay. Because I've seen plenty of bikers who have not had those. I'm amazed they're still upright. Um but no, these reflectors are totally different. So let's get off that tangent right now. Okay. The way this works is that the hacker sends a command to the zombie army. The zombie army starts sending requests to other computers, innocent computers that have not been compromised by any sort of malware whatsoever. All right. So these are just average servers and computers across the net. But what the, the zombie computers are doing is they're sending it as if the messages were coming from the targeted server. So let's use a let's use a name. Let's say that uh, it's CNN's server. Okay. So the the hacker sends the command to his zombie army. The zombie army all start sending messages to various computers across the net as if those messages were coming from CNN. All of those computers and servers respond to this request by sending data to CNN's server, which of course has not sent anything out at this point. Right. So it's getting responses to messages it has not sent. Right. It gets overwhelmed by the traffic and by the fact that it's getting responses to something that it didn't even do. And then you have your denial of distributed denial of service attack. Basically using it against itself. Yes. It's, it's both really clever and really nasty. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with that. Yeah. Now there's a couple different ways you can uh, talk about, you know, what you should do in case of a denial of service attack. But really the best defense is to just practice smart, safe, web uh, behaviors, you know, because the only way denial of service, distributed denial of service attacks work is for people to download the software that turns their computer into a zombie in the first place, right? That's true. You, you know, you could already have participated in one of these if you've ever had one of these. You could be participating in one right now. That's true. And you may not even know it. You know, you might have a computer that's running a little slowly, but otherwise you might not realize it. Yeah. So if you, if you just... Practice those safe behaviors. You know, you don't don't go to uh, just don't click on on weird links that you don't recognize. Um, 
make sure you have good antivirus and anti-spyware uh, software and make sure you're running it regularly and that you keep it updated. Uh, make sure that you install patches when you get them. A lot of the uh, the malware, the way it works is that it will target a specific vulnerability that a hacker will find out about a specific kind of operating system. So let's say you're running you know, Windows Vista and there is a known vulnerability. Well, Microsoft is going to release patches that patch these security holes on, on a fairly regular basis. But you have to install them for them to work. Right. If you don't update your system, it will remain vulnerable. So, uh, I mean, we talk about in the office a lot about how annoying it is to get system updates that require you to reboot your system and it, it takes forever to download them. Oh, you mean like yesterday? Yeah. But on the other hand, if it means that it prevents your computer from becoming part of a zombie army, that's a good thing. Yep. Yep. So, I mean, I'm irritated by them too, but... So now we we talked about the flooding ones. Uh, let me just talk a little bit about the other ki- kind, which is that's the kind that send um, an attack that that just sort of confuses the computer. Um, that's a, a it's a really a logic or a software attack, and there's okay. several different kinds of that as well. And um, this is just where you you come up with a command uh, that gives a computer trouble. It just, it's not able to try, it's not really able to execute the command as um, it should be able to. It tries to, but it can't. Like when you divide one by zero and it gets stuck in an infinite loop? Something like that, yeah. Oh, okay. Or uh, or you ask a robot a paradox and then it explodes. Ah, I love doing that. Yes. Except was, when the owner of the robot finds out. Right. Then I have to run. Right. Yeah, I was thinking of the Futurama episode with the evil Santa Claus robot. They say, well, if you, d- if you are, if you're programmed to kill everyone who's naughty, isn't that naughty? And doesn't that mean you should kill yourself? Which, by the way, is not actually a paradox, but that, it, that's what they called it in the episode. Um, but yeah, it's the equivalent of that. You're sending a computer a, a question that it is not able to answer. And, uh, I, that, again, it's one of those things where once you realize that this is a problem, you can adjust the, the computer's programming so that it no longer, uh, has that trouble. But you know you have to you have to identify the problem first before you can fix it. Obviously, right? Right. My therapist tells me that. <laughs> nice. Yeah. I have no response to that. All right. Then. All right. So let's wow. talk about That's the first. You heard it here. Let's talk about the uh, Twitter attack, shall we? Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So what happened with Twitter? And uh, at the time that we're recording this, actually, we're we've gotten really close to, between recording and publishing right now. So uh, this will go live pretty quickly. But the the Attack that happened on Twitter um, a while ago, a short while ago, was a kind of denial of service attack. And it was interesting because it wasn't meant to necessarily take down Twitter or Facebook or LiveJournal. Uh, LiveJournal was another site that was affected by this attack. Um, in fact, this attack was specifically targeted at a particular individual. Yep. A, a professor, in fact, um, who uh, was sort of a providing a place for uh, refugees from from the um, from Georgia the country not the state um, and it was some uh, possibly Russian hackers that that targeted this person's accounts and uh, as a result the site suffered collateral damage Twitter the worst of all of them yep yep well it's just one of those things where they were they were trying apparently, uh, you know, of course, they haven't exactly stepped forward and yeah. said, yes, we're, we're, uh, just trying to get this one guy. Sorry, the rest of you. Right. Um, 
but yeah, they were apparently trying to silence him, or at least, you know, on the web. Right. And, uh, in the meantime, managed to take down Twitter for several hours. Right. Not even a fail whale. Yeah. Some of us, uh, some of us were having difficulty coping that day. Quite a few of you. Yes. Yeah. Some of you out there were probably having trouble. Um, I was in a corner weeping for most of that day. It's very um, distracting for those of us who are trying to work. Yeah, I'm sorry about that. Uh, the corner being the corner of Chris's desk, um, because, you know, it's comfy over there. But yeah. Sitting up there, it, sucking his thumb. It was bad. <laughs> and of course, you know, you, you're, you're, the first reaction anyone has is Twitter's down. I should tweet about that. Yeah. Oh, wait. I can't. Yeah, that's problematic. Yeah. There's sort of a circular problem there. So the other interesting thing about this is that by doing this attack, and by causing all this collateral damage, the hackers have pretty much guaranteed that way more attention is being directed toward this this person they were trying to silence than they had anticipated. And uh, that may have actually hurt them more than helped them. True. Yeah. It sort of makes them a uh, digital martyr. Yeah. In a way. Well, and, and now more people are aware of this person and the message that he is trying to to convey. And so... Uh, really, it's this was probably a mis- well. I mean, it was already a bad thing to do, period. But it was definitely a mistake on their part, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but that's exactly what happened. You know, you have uh, the, someone was using a sledgehammer to take care of a very precise problem that they perceived. Right. So, nifty bit of alliteration there. Thank you. I <laughs> I was not intending to do that, but it just kind of happened. All right then. So, we're really, that's pretty much what I have about on denial of service attacks. Yeah, yeah, so it's it's um, it's one of those things that is amazingly simple. Yet, um, when you factor in some of the other things, like you know how to stop them, and uh, you know the different kinds of attacks, and some of the nasty new twists they're throwing in, right? You know, I mean, we can always hope that as consumers get more savvy about computer uh, security that these sort of attacks will decrease in number because again it does really depend upon uh the individual victims uh trying to install this code on their computers to to make themselves part of the zombie army for it to work the distributed ones anyway the the straight up denial of service of course could be done by anyone um and be a computer skeptic you know don't just install random things that get sent to you from people even from people you trust yeah, because sometimes uh, these programs use their email boxes, and uh, you know they go through the contact lists and everything to uh, everybody that they know, and they right. go, "Oh, well, hey, you know, if John installed this, then I should too." Right. Well, yeah. you know, John didn't mean to install that; he thought it was something else, and so did you. Yeah, it's a domino thing. It, yeah, you know, it totally. Is, if so. one person gets uh, gets compromised, then it may may mean that everyone they know then follows suit, and then of course it spreads out. That you know what that is? That's a web. Yeah, yeah. And or, it's worldwide. Or a shampoo commercial. Oh, yeah, and they call two friends. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's a, that's denial of service in a nutshell. Uh, hope you guys kind of have a better grip on the, the concept. It's, um, it's interesting stuff and I'm sure it'll be, uh, a, a tactic that people use for, for years to come because there are a lot of people with spare time on their hands and chips on their shoulders. And it is so innate to the web that it's just it's just going to be one of the first things that people try yep. when they want to take down a website. Well, since uh, since we've exhausted that topic, I mm-hmm. think it's time for just a little more listener mail. Okay, then. 
All right. And uh, this listener mail, let me scroll all the way down so I can get the name right, comes from Alan uh, from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Uh-huh. So a Tar Heel, I guess. Yep. Uh, and Alan actually wrote a very nice email. Very, and It was a pretty long one, so I'm going to have to summarize part of it. But uh, I'll read the beginning here. Hey, guys. First of all, I love the show and have listen, listened since the beginning. Thanks a lot, Alan. I have a minor correction about the August 5th podcast on cell phone interference, but it has nothing to do with the subject material. Y'all misspoke by putting a the in front of Mayo Clinic. They are sticklers up there about it because they feel that putting a the diminishes the respect that the name of the hospital gives to the founder, Dr. Mayo. Leaving it as simply Mayo Clinic without any article pays more homage to the patient first, staff second philosophies that Dr. Mayor, Mayo, sorry, <laughs> wow, I just made it worse, made so successful. Well, thanks a lot, Alan. Um, I, I did not know that. I didn't either. I've always heard it as the Mayo Clinic. Yeah, and it kind of makes sense that a definite article would be in there. Yeah, but, it kind of um, makes it makes it weird. It's you know, it's one of those things like uh, this report speaking about yourself from the, Mayo or, Clinic, right? But, uh, but he, yeah, Alan also had a couple of other little points. He, he had mentioned that he had been in the hospital several times and that um, had never had a problem with any hospital staff about using his cell phone. So he wanted to point that out. And he also wanted to point out the episode of Mythbusters, where the Mythbusters tested the myth about cell phones being dangerous on planes. Now, they weren't allowed to take a plane up into the air and test their theories, which, I mean, for obvious reasons, because if they were, in fact, dangerous, you no longer have a show. True. You have myth busted into tiny, tiny pieces. So what they did was they had to do all their tests on the ground, but they tried to replicate the, um, the, the, as much of the scenario as they possibly could. Right. Uh, including changing the pressure and all that kind of stuff. And they found that there was no appreciable, um, effect on the, uh, airplanes systems through any modern cell phone. Uh, a cell phone, an older cell phone might be able to, Inter- uh, cause a little bit of interference, but uh, anything within the last five years or so, um, not so much. Hmm. So thanks a lot, Alan, uh, for pointing that out and for promoting one of Discovery's shows. <laughs> that was great. We didn't have to do it ourselves because Alan did it for us. All right, then. If any of you have anything you'd like to say to us, you can email us. Our email address is techstuff at howstuffworks.com. If you want to learn more about computer security, I highly recommend you visit our site, howstuffworks.com. Crispy and I will talk to you again really soon. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. And be sure to check out the new TechStuff blog, now on the HowStuffWorks homepage. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?